Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. Um, we'll be looking at the last of the four soils of the parable of the sower. So far, we have looked on the seed that was sown on the path, which was the picture of the hard heart, a, hard, a heart that makes no response at all to the seed of the Word of God that it hears. And then we looked at the seed that is sown on the rocky ground, where the topsoil is shallow, and the seed can only go up, it can't bed, uh, bed any roots. It was just a tragic picture of a superficial heart, a heart that only makes a shallow response to the gospel. So it springs up quickly enough, it promises much, but it does not last, it has no roots, it does not endure. And the last Lord's Day afternoon, we looked at the seed that was sown among thorns. And Jesus shows us what happens in a crowded heart, a heart in which the message of the gospel is crowded out by many competitors. The seed sprouts and it grows, we learn, but because of the competing demands of worldliness and sin that have been allowed to blossom unchecked in the heart like perennial weed, the life of the seed has been choked and bears no fruit. It looks healthy enough from a distance, but there is no harvest, there is no fruit. And as we said last time, the harvest, the fruit, is what matters. Real Christians in whose heart, the seed of the word of God has done its true work, always, always, always bears fruit. So the seed and the path is a hard heart, the seed on the rocky ground, a superficial heart. The seed among thorns, a crowded heart. But our focus this afternoon is on the seed that is sown on good soil. The receptive heart. The receptive heart to the gospel. A heart that hears the word, believes it, and bears abundant fruit to the glory and the praise of Almighty God. The first three soil types do offer a sobering picture of the various ways that the fallen human heart rejects the gospel, toys with the gospel for a time, abandons the gospel to the great grief of those who pass to them as, to, as well as their own everlasting loss. So the teaching has been important, but has been weighty, solemn, unsettling. But having warned us, challenged us thoroughly, in the final image of the parable, the Lord Jesus offers this tremendous comfort and encouragement, I think, on two lines. There's a word of encouragement for sowers of the seed, a word of encouragement for sowers of the word, whether we're preachers, evangelists, Christian teachers, fathers, mothers, teaching our children, Sisters, brothers, witnessing to our siblings, colleagues, friends, bearing testimony in the workplace or in your street. Whoever we are, if you open your mouths 
to speak a word for the Lord Jesus Christ and sow the seed of the gospel. This part of the parable offers us tremendous comfort and reassurance. So there is an encouragement for sowers. But there's a, there's a word of encouragement also for hearers of the word. Encouragement for hearers. And as we hear, Jesus wants to assure and instruct us in the certainty, the character and the path to fruitfulness in his service. And since every Christian ought, in some sense at least, be a sower and a hearer, these two emphases on the part of the parable of the sower should be instructive for all of us. So it's an encouragement for sowers and an encouragement for hearers. But before we unpack that, let's read and let's pray before we read. O Lord God, the field of our hearts, of our lives, is open before you for the sowing of the seed of the word. By your Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd press the seed into fertile soil in every heart, in every heart in this room, that we may bear fruit to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew 13, verse 1. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat down beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. Immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. And other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them, and other seeds fell on good soil, and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, he indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. And we thank the Lord he's spoken to us in the reading of his words. Well, as I cruise, I was going to say into middle age, but I guess I'd better say late middle age. I find it to be a disconcerting, interesting, frustrating experience that I am now, I, me, am left behind, bewildered, frankly, by technology. And that's a massive blow to me, it's a blow to my pride, because I never used to be this way. I'm an early adopter. I am tech-friendly. I tell everyone I'm tech-friendly. You know, I, and I used to be much more like my teenagers, who intuitively now know how to do stuff with technology thingabobs. I can't even know, don't even know what they are, and online doodookies, whatever they may be. 
because I used to program a VCR. Does anyone know what a VCR is? Does anyone even know what an eVCR is? You see, they've got all those blank faces. There is, but a VCR, you know, it used to be a thing. It used to be a thing. It's in a big box, and I used to know how to program it. And uh, just for everyone else here, VCR is a video recorder created in the Middle Ages to record television programs so they could be watched later. So back then, I was tech savvy. If you were or at schools, that's all they had, VCRs. I was the one programming the VCR. I knew how to do it, you know, and uh, I knew how to dial up. Remember when we used to have to dial up to do the internet? Remember that? It used to take about half an hour, half an hour chug, 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 chug. And they dial up the internet. You may always have to dial up the internet like you dialed up the phone call. But now I get red faced. I wasn't say angry, but that's too much of a confession. Maybe frustrated. Fruit, fruitlessly pounding on that same button to make the internet work. Why is it not working? Why is it so? And the only way to get it to work is to unplug it and plug it back in. And I don't know what I'm doing by that, but it kind of works. So I am in the position where I just am not as tech friendly as I used to be and I've been left behind. I've done nothing differently. I think I'm still as intelligent as I was, whatever that means. But it's just the internet doesn't work anymore. Matthew 13 is a parable designed to help the disciples understand that why they're doing the same thing each time, like me thinking I was doing the same thing, sharing the message in each town, the gospel message does not seem to work the same way. Yes, it arrived wonderfully in this village, but when they arrived in that place, they were asked to leave. That's what it says. This person heard the message of the Lord and left everything, sold everything to follow him. This person heard the same message, delivered in the same way, and denounced him as a dangerous fraud. The gospel worked before just fine. The technique I used worked just fine. Why does it not work now, Jesus? Why doesn't it not work now? And that is the question. Is it the case of user error? As in the case of middle-aged preachers trying to work technology? Or is it just user error? Well, clearly not. Because Jesus himself, the greatest preacher who ever lived, had the same mixed results. He's the Son of God. He's the God-man. He's our Saviour. He had mixed results as people listened to his preaching. Now, the explanation of the parable of the sower lies in the different condition of the human heart. The different responses of the human heart as it hears the word, as the seed of the word is sown within us. And as we've seen three of the four possible ways the human heart responds to the word is negative. And this would have resonated with the disciples' own experience of their ministry. They'd seen hard hearts. They'd seen those who rejected the message just outright, the seed sown on the path. There'd been a few that responded with that, with that great enthusiasm, but when the cost of following Jesus became clear, they fell away. That's the seed sowed on the rocky ground. There have even been some who said, yeah, I like Jesus. But they couldn't shake the, the world. They couldn't say no to the world. 
So it wasn't long before the disciples' initial hope for a good harvest here was dashed with the seed sown amongst the thorns. The disciples had learned this by painful personal experience. And we see them in our minds. You could see them saying, yes, Jesus, I get that. I get that. I've lived that. We've seen their response in our ministry as we've gone around preaching the gospel. But I wonder if they would not also have admitted, perhaps, when they were alone, without Jesus present, that so far the parable hasn't helped them very much. <laughs> the three, three, the, 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 the three um, examples haven't really helped them. It's explained to them, for sure, why some people have reacted the way that they have. Because this is a parable told the disciples who would have lived this. But as a pep talk for struggling evangelists who need to keep to the task of preaching the gospel, I doubt until this point the parable would have encouraged them until verse 23. Because verse 23 offers a word of encouragement for sowers of the words. Look at verse 23 once again. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Yes, many will reject the word, to be sure, or fail to endure in their profession of faith in Christ. And yes, there is no way to tell when you're sowing what type of soil the gospel word has been sown into. We cannot identify the good soil hearers before we sow the seed. That's why we are to sow indiscriminately. We are. We're to preach the gospel with every breath. Jesus saves. We're to take it to every corner of this town, every corner of our areas. We take it to every corner and we tell everyone who will hear that Jesus saves. Because we don't know the elect and where they're to be found, scattered in the world, until the seed bears fruit in lives that makes their election plain. And our task is to sow the seed everywhere with everyone indiscriminately, without any guarantee or in any particular case that we will have the results for which we long. And yet against all of this uncertainty, the uncertainty with which any faithful witness for Christ must struggle. The promise of verse 23 offers sufficient encourage us to sustain us and make us bold to press on. You see the promise in verse 23. What is the promise? Is it not simply that in some cases the seed of the word of the gospel will bear, will bear fruit in God's time? Is that not the promise in verse 23? it really will bear fruit in God's time. Notice the word indeed. In, he indeed bears fruit. It is the only time in the whole of Matthew's Gospel that the Greek word for indeed is used. It is designed to underscore certainty. You could translate it, of course, or for sure. For sure he bears fruit. In some cases, the seed of the word will bear fruit fruit. Maybe you've come to doubt that the word will bear fruit. Have you become discouraged as you, as you have borne witness for Christ? 
and sought to serve him, wondering if you're getting anywhere with people. Well, keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. That's what verse 23 says. Keep sowing the seed. There will be, for sure, of course there will be fruit. Of course there will be. In God's time and in God's way. In God's time and in God's way. And also, also notice when it does bear fruit, the fruit is always in abundance. The fruit is always in abundance. Do you see that in the text? Even the least fruitful seed, the 30-fold, yields more grain than the farmer sowed. And even though there are three other types of soil that fail to bear any fruit at all, the soil that bears fruit makes it worth it. That's the point. It makes it worth it. Think about a mother. We're told in the, in the Bible, and we know it, that a mother forgets the agony of childbirth the moment she holds a newborn. She forgets it the moment. It's not long before that couple is planning number two or maybe number seven. The stress and the pain, it's not a prophetic word by the way, but the stress and the pain of delivery, very real, cannot compare with the joy and the love of having that child in their life. And anyone who has led someone to Christ has a thrill not dissimilar to that. It's a thrill. It is a thrill not dissimilar to that. All the tears, all the prayers, all the arguments, all the conversation, all the seed that has been sown, all the times you shared the gospel and got nowhere, is instantly, instantly eclipsed by the joy of one repentant sinner. There is joy in heaven over one repentant sinner. The harvest makes the labour worth it. The harvest makes the labour of sowing the seed worth it. So why should you keep sowing with that unbelieving spouse, or that unbelieving child, that colleague, that neighbour, that friend you've known and worked with and prayed for over the years, witnessed to. You keep sowing, you keep sowing, because the least harvest makes it all worthwhile. It makes it all worthwhile. Of course, sometimes we do not get to see the harvest, but that's because it's not about me, it's about him. We do not sometimes get to see the harvest, that's because I don't save anyone. It's Jesus who saves. Some of us will only sow the seed and will never reap the harvest. Someone else will just come in and clean up. That's the nature of the kingdom of God. That was the experience of the Apostle Paul in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. At Corinth, Paul didn't cultivate the crop. He didn't reap the harvest, he sowed the seed. And sometimes that's the way the Lord would have it with us too. Maybe you're a sower and the Lord has not called you to be a reaper. I was telling some friends this week, but I came across it and I researched it again. The Canadian medical missionary, Dr. William Leslie, tremendous story. It's a tremendous encouraging story for all sowers of the word. 1912, 1912, before I was born, he went with the gospel to live amongst tribal people and he went to the Yangtze tribe in a remote part of the Democratic Republic of Congo. And he worked with them for many years, Dr. Leslie, laboriously traversing the thick jungle, 
visiting their villages, educating their children, and teaching people the word of God. That's what he did. In his 17th year, 17 years, Dr. Leslie fell out with the tribal leaders and they were told him that he, they did not ever want to see him again or go back there again. And he returned home to Canada profoundly disappointed. He had been sowing seed for 17 years, educating children, preaching the word, and as far as he knew, there had been zero converts. Zero converts. 17 years, zero converts. None. And he was told to go, never come back. In 2010, 98 years later, then, you know, when he went, so the, a small team of missionaries from MAF, Missionary Aviation Fellowship, reached Bangor where Dr. Leslie had his station. They crossed the river, hiked a further 10 miles to reach the Yancey villages. They knew nothing about Dr. Leslie's so-called so failed mission. But the missionaries expected that the Yanceys may have had some understanding of who Jesus is because they'd had limited contact, but they knew that there'd been some contact with the world. So they didn't really have any expectation that they'd understand who Jesus was or what he came to do. This is what they, they report. When we got there, we found a network of reproducing churches throughout the jungle. Each village had a gospel choir, even though they didn't call it that. They wrote their own songs and sang them from village to village. In each of the eight Yancey villages, they found a gospel church. And in one village was a thousand-seater cathedral that was so crowded with people walking from miles to attend worship that a church planting movement began in all the surrounding villages. 17 years of fruitless sowing of the word, never seeing a harvest. He died not knowing that the seed he scattered produced this incredible fruit. Isn't that good news? That we may not even be on our lifetime, but the power, the life, is in the seed, not the sower. I know the hope for harvest might not come in our time and in our way, the word will always bear fruit. It will always bear fruit. So if you go out of here and tell someone about Jesus, it's not, never wasted. It is never wasted. Of course it will bear fruit. Not in our time, maybe. Not in our way. So remember Galatians 6, verse 9. Let us not grow, grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So keep sowing the seed. What, a, what, what an encouragement. What an encouragement to keep sowing the seed. Who knows, but God, what abundant harvest your labours may yet produce, though you may never see it. We've got to be happy with that. But keep sowing the seed. Secondly, there's a word of encouragement for hearers. Look again at verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. Let me highlight three things, and each of them have subheadings, which, by the way, is a great preacher's trick to have many, many points in a sermon. But I just say at the outset, there's three things. Anyway, I'm just... But it gives you some sense of the light at the end of the tunnel if you only think there's three. So if you think there's only three, then I'll, I'll stop there. 
Right. The first is that Jesus is teaching us positively what he taught us negatively when he talked about the seed that fell on thorny ground. The failure of the seed on thorny ground had nothing to do with the size or maturity of the plant that had grown up. None of that mattered to the farmer. The one thing that was important to the farmer was the harvest, and the thorny ground hearer had none. On the other hand, the one thing that distinguishes the good soil hearer from the, all the others is the presence of good fruit. That's the converse. Faithful disciples of Jesus, in whom the word of God is doing his work, are known by their fruit, by Christ-likeness, by holiness, by godliness. That's the sole distinguishing evidence that the seed has been sown in good soil, that you bear good fruit. So are you bearing good fruit? Is there a harvest in your life? Will Jesus find a harvest in you when he comes to judge the living and the dead? Secondly, Jesus is teaching us here that not everyone bears fruit to the same degree. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. That means at least two things. We must aim each of us to be as fruitful in our master's service as we can be. Who would want to yield a hundredfold who would not want to yield a hundredfold and not just thirty. So strive, pull up the weeds of sin in your heart, dig up the rocks so the word can sink deep roots down in your heart. Don't let the word of God sit unused and fruitless on the surface of your life. Take action, press it home. Passive hearers are never fruitful hearers. We need to engage with God's word. All disciples bear fruit but not all bear the same fruit in the same degree. So aim to bear as much fruit as you can. It also means that we ought not to confuse little fruit with no fruit at all, which is a common mistake in the Christian life. We see a hundredfold believer and maybe her many spiritual graces. We see her always abounding in the work of the Lord. We see her prayer life, her quiet uncomplaining service, her humility, her love for the lost, her delight in God's word. And then we look at our own hearts. And here and there, we see a few meagre heads of grain ripening in the field of our lives. And it's easy to wonder, well, are we converted at all? Or maybe even worse, we judge ourselves by the brightest examples of Christian fruitfulness around us. They were two issues faced by Paul at Corinth. Although he used a different metaphor, he talked about the body and its members. In 1 Corinthians 12, one part of the body, he says, shouldn't look at the more prominent, apparently more useful, and say, because I'm a foot and not a hand, I don't belong in the body. Because I'm not as useful as that, maybe I'm not really a Christian at all. Because I'm not as fruitful in Jesus' categories, maybe I'm not converted, which is a mistake. Don't rule yourself out of the kingdom because in your own estimation you don't compare to the brother or sister around you. But then neither, Paul says, should one prominent or useful part of the body decide that since there are other parts of the body that are yes, less useful, he has no need of them at all. Don't rule other people out of the kingdom because you don't judge them as fruitful as you. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. No, the most mature in the kingdom, the most fruitful in Christ's service,
cannot do without a new believer or the 30-fold believer. In the Lord's field, the mark of authentic discipleship, the evidence of spiritual reality, the word doing its true and proper work in our hearts, is not how much fruit we bear in comparison to others, but are we bearing fruit at all? It's an urgent question. Are we bearing fruit? And if fruitfulness in response to the word is so important, we then need to ask, how can I be sure, sure that I'm bearing fruit as the word is sown into my heart? How do you bear fruit? And at this point, I want you to look at Luke's version of the parable because he adds and amplifies to Matthew's description of the good soil. Luke eight fifteen. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. How is the fruit produced in their hearts? They hear the word, they hold it fast in an honest and good heart and they bear fruit with patience. So first of all, you have to hear the word. That may seem obvious, but it needs to be emphasised. You will never bear fruit if you neglect the preaching of God's word. You will not bear fruit if you neglect the preaching of God's word. It's, 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 it's along the same path. I'm talking to others at lunchtime about this, really. Um, you can never say that the Lord will give me what to say in that moment if you've never put anything in. The Lord will not bring back to mind scriptures that you've never read. We need to read the word. We need to be in the word. The Lord will use it. He will bring it back to mind. But you'll never bear fruit if you neglect the preaching of the word. And for people you know, who've been maybe saved, converted 20, 30, 40 years and up, we need to be under the preaching of the word. We need to apply the gospel to ourselves week in, week out, day in, day out. Apply the preaching of the gospel. Feel that warmth in your heart, that strange warmth as you're in conviction of sin. And that the word, the word of the Lord is doing its work. It is the way that God has appointed. It is the way that God has ordained. It is the way that God has put aside to produce the harvest in your life. So to put it bluntly, get to church. Sit under the word. Watching online is no substitute for being, for here, being under the word of God. By all means, you know, I mean, if, that, if you're unwell and you, you know, watching online is good. If you're studying, listening to a sermon can help study. But it's no substitute and it's no, it doesn't do the same as being physically in the company of the people of God, being under the ministry of the Word of God. There's something spiritual about there. There's something supernatural being gathered together as the people of God under the authority of the preaching of the word. So we must hear the word. And secondly, I'm, I'm confused on my point number, so I don't expect you to be keeping up, but you can just say Nick's point. The fruitful hearer of the word holds it fast in an honest and good heart. That's what Luke said. So you must hear the word and then hold it fast. The seed sown in this heart is not like the seed on the path that doesn't sink in and is snatched away. No, grasps the word as the only instrument of life and vitality. It's not toying with or playing with the gospel. 
He's not toying with or playing with Jesus in his response to his work. No, his response is honest and good, Jesus says. It's the real thing. Imagine you're sailing one day in the ocean and the boat you're in begins to sink. You're miles from land. It's not long before you find yourself treading water alone at sea. You're in big trouble. You start to tire. Your strength begins to fail. And some driftwood sails past. Maybe the wreckage from your vessel. Just large enough for you to haul yourself out of the water to keep you afloat. Wouldn't you cling to that driftwood with every fibre of your being because your life depended on it? Everything depends on you holding it fast. The Word of God is your life raft. The, the Word of God is your driftwood. It's your only hope. The Word of life. Hold it fast with tenacity. Never let it go. Get a tenacious grip on Jesus Christ as he comes to you in his word. See the importance of being under the word? Hear it, hold it fast, and thirdly, the heart bears fruit with patience, Luke says. Patience is key if you want to harvest. You can't force the issue. It takes time to mature. Matthew Henry says we need both bearing patience and waiting patience. I love that. Bear in patience to hear, bear up under trials and tribulations and wait in patience because it takes time for the fruit to ripen over the years. There is a heart, in other words, that responds to God's word in a steady, persevering way. Does that describe you? Steady, persevering, enduring, pressing on, not looking for quick fixes, easy answers, instant solutions. A person who knows that the fruit of discipleship takes a whole lifetime to ripen. So we need patience. Our Heavenly Father is cultivating his crop in your life, but it takes the whole of your life to ripen. We need to be patient. So there is an encouragement for sowers of the word. Do you see that? Keep sowing the seed. Does that encourage you this week to go and sow the seed? Of course. Indeed, for sure, it will bear fruit. In God's time, in God's way, there will be a harvest. But do not give up. And then there is an encouragement, not only for sowers, but for hearers. What kind of hearer of the word are you? Has the seed been sown in the good soil? Will there be a harvest, small or large, of Christ-likeness in your life? It begins today in repentance. Trust in yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And every day thereafter, clinging tenaciously to the life raft of the gospel. That's how you produce a harvest. May God make his words mighty and fruitful in us for his glory. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word brings life. And it of, for sure, indeed, of course, will bear fruit. So may it give life and bear fruit in each of our hearts this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen.